Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week by our lecturer in philosophy, Dr. Benjamin Smith, and also our lecturer in theology, Dr. Richard Buzakelli. Uh, and today our topic is going to be the topic of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, the, the overturning of this 49-year-old uh, bad legislative decision. Um, that has led to an abortion industry and uh, to the loss of life uh, to, to degrees that it's hard to even imagine. Um, as we get started here, I want to invite all the listeners, please share this content, hit the, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button so that we can continue to grow our community here online and also to, to share with your friends and your family these topics so that we can think deeply about them so we can combat some of the uh, the erroneous ideas that are out there and some of the false ideologies and worldviews that we encounter in everyday life. Uh, so let's get started. Dr. Smith, uh, why don't you kick us off here? Let's just let's take a few minutes and just talk about the, the legal technical matters uh, before we get into the philosophical and theological aspects. Sure. Yeah. The, thanks, Jason. I don't want to say a ton about this, but I think it's good to just kind of clear a little bit of ground uh, before we get into the philosophy and theology um, you know, overturning Roe v. Wade did not make uh, abortion uh, illegal nationally, right? Uh, overturning Roe v. Wade simply meant that there uh, is, um, that the, the questions returned to the states, right, and to the people. And basically, you know, this is a, uh, a, a, this is a ruling that's very well rooted in a conservative originalist approach to the Constitution, right? The idea uh, uh, for conservative, you know, strong constitutionalist is that, um, you know, is that any of those uh, powers that are not delegated to the federal government uh, within the constitution are retained by the states and the people. And there is no uh, power delegated by the states that includes abortion, right? That's what the ruling was really about on this one, right? That is, it was simply the statement that uh, there is nothing in the Constitution that grants to the federal government authority uh, over uh, abortion or a right, excuse me, a constitutional individual right to an abortion at the federal level, right? That leaves open, you know, whether or not certain states might have that, right? I believe that some certain state constitutions at this point have actually codified the idea that uh, uh, there is an individual right according to their state constitutions to abortion, right? Now we may object to that, uh, but uh, nevertheless, that's the kind of the, the, the constitutional setup here, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's important to just kind of see that that's actually sort of technically what's going on here. In addition, you know, the justices uh, opposed the reasoning that was uh, the basis for the decision, right? Um, yeah. uh, you know, the, the sort of the reasoning that's rooted in uh, goes all the way back to Griswold versus Connecticut and the putative right to privacy, as well as uh, substantive due process. Now, those are really technical issues that I don't think we want to get into much here, but that's kind of the, the overall background. But I think in the American context, it's important to recognize this makes sense, and I'll kick it a reader, Rich, but that um, we live in, and people can always forget this, we don't live in a national democracy. We don't live in a national republic. We live in a union of states, right? And in that union, a constitutional union of states, most things on an ordinary basis is, that involve government, and you can actually check this out and really think about it, happen at the state and really county level. Most of the political things that actually matter to you, criminal justice, 
your, you know, the, the power grid, your sewer system, you know, roads, all that stuff, all of that is really taken care of at the state and county level. Uh, and, and, you know, the states created the federal government, right? And so they gave to it its powers that it has, right? Um, and so it, it makes sense that there would be a diversity in certain mm -hmm. areas, even important areas, right? Uh, among the states, because the states, you know, are different, right? Uh, so this is really within the American context, just following the federalism that's part of our constitutional regime. What do you think about that, Rich? Yeah, well, I think you're, uh, you think you're right about it. So, so let's, let me kind of go over some of the same ground again, from my own point of view. Okay. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the, the decision is really important from um, a constitutional legal perspective, because it hits the reset button on some of these questions about how we think about the relationship between states and the federal government. Right. Uh, and therefore between the individual and the federal government as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think it does take us a long way to restoring something of the original um, constitutional order. Right. Now, you know, we can argue, um, we can have a different argument, I guess, about whether we like that arrangement or not. Mm -hmm. But there's something we said about playing within the rules you've set up, sure. right? So if we can't do that, then we have anarchy or we have, um, we have uh, some sort of despotism or something, right? We don't have the rule of law. But we don't really have, we don't really have the rule of law anymore, right? right. And, that's, and that's bad for, um, for everybody but the winners, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I think that a, a, a normal sort of rational person would agree that regardless of um, regardless of whether at the end of the day you got what you wanted out of the decision, in terms of um, you know how the how the law turned out, right? Mm -hmm. Following the rules is prerequisite to to sure. civilization. You yeah. just can't. All right, so that that's an important thing, and I, I think I think in that regard, um, the decision is just correct. It's just mm -hmm. correct. Right. Now, I happen to like the way it turned out also, because I think abortion is a grave evil and the very kind of thing for which um, the political community exists, right, to uh, to prevent and to punish. But I. Um, but if you don't, if you do like abortion, right, again, as you said, the this decision does not foreclose abortion. It just it just means that it's it's a state issue, not a not a federal one. It's not a constitutional one. So, right. So I, um, I, I, I think that analysis is, that analysis is correct. Um, and, and what I find interesting here is, um, I guess what I find interesting here about the people's reaction, right. Mm -hmm. Is that um, they're placing a, an incredibly high value on, well, I, I guess what I'm saying, what I what I see in the reaction is partly they really don't like the arrangement. They don't like um, they don't like the federal structure, as far as I can tell. Sure. Right. They they really want um, one uniform government. And furthermore, they want that government to ratify um, personal autonomy mm -hmm. above all other right. values. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think that's probably but, correct. 
one, one thing one thing I'll throw in there before we get into you know some of the uh, personal autonomy and, and things like that is on a on a sheer practical level with regards to you know um, especially Catholic uh, Catholic politicians uh, who have kind of for the longest time held the argument of uh, when when they're pressed about Roe v Wade and do they want to see it overturned and all this stuff. Many times they they take the they 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 take the easy way out and say, well, yeah, sure, I would like it, but it's kind of the 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 settled law of the land, and you know I have to respect the law that's established oh. there. Well, now that law has been reversed, mm-hmm. so they they cannot rely on that simple argument of saying, um, uh, like they have to they have to be forward now. You know, are you pro life or are you pro choice? Yeah, um, I think it pulls the mask off. You know? It pulls yeah, the mask yeah, off because that was a cop out um, yeah. because we do live in a system in which, you know, you could push back against the law. Right. You could yeah. you could you could lobby to change the Constitution. You could. Sure. Yeah. Right. You could. Um, and you could you could argue against Roe v. Wade. Right. You could yeah. at the state level you try to push forth laws that will challenge it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, that, that is what prevailed. That's right. the technique yeah. that prevailed. You can't. But now what you see is it's very interesting, right, is that these people who said, you know, I'm personally opposed, but I'm a devout Catholic, but um, now they lament the decision itself, the very decision that you would think would would unshackle them to say, finally, well, I now Roe v. Wade is over. So let's just now let's take the action that we can take. That's Mm -hmm. not the that's not the answer they're giving. No, right. No, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Right. So I think I think that'll have a, a just an interesting. Uh, I think the the way um, political speeches, political campaigns are are <laughs> are held from now on. Uh-huh. Like like they 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 have to they have to be uh, uh, completely for completely against. They can't simply say, well, you know, my, uh-huh. I take I take an oath to uphold the Constitution, uh, and uh, the justices have found that there's a. Uh, a legal right to uh, privacy and therefore abortion, and so I I kind of have to upheld this thing that I disagree with. Well, they they overdid it. So now guess what? Like you have to actively <laughs> you have to actively fight against uh, sure. um, any sort of changes against that um, with with good arguments, you know, some wit and uh, um, uh, uh, God forbid some backbone uh, mm-hmm. as well. Um, so all right, so let's get into. Uh, maybe some of the, the, the philosophical and uh, theological themes uh, that we have uh, that we have to deal with, with a lot of this, uh, this whole issue. Um, Cause you do hear that a lot. Well, this, you know, was this a religious decision? Um, uh, it seems like, you know, just some, you know, uh, the, the phrase I heard on NPR was, you know, the Christian theoretic, uh, theocratic terrorists, you're right. Pushing their, pushing their morality and pushing their religion uh, on us, you know, is that what happened here, Doctor Smith? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, okay. I think there's two things that to think about it. One is from the, just the perspective of American polity, uh, and then yeah. second, uh, from a more philosophical or logical position. But <clears throat> you know, there's a deep understanding, a misunderstanding about the nature of the role of religion in the public square in the United States of America. France is an officially secular state, right? Mm-hmm. The United States of America, again, it's not a state, it's a union of states. 
but in addition to that, right, it's not an explicitly secular state. That is, it doesn't prohibit the uh, religious expression, uh, religious expression within the public sphere, right? In fact, by the op- it, uh, to the opposite, it guarantees our right to express religion, right, uh, in the public sphere, right? That is, we have the free exercise of religion in the Supreme Court, even before the most recent appointments had already ruled, right, that it's really the churches and the religions that get to decide what is religious, right? So actually, mm-hmm. we have a broad right to express uh, our religion in public and, and without even shame, right? Um, uh, now, that said, we can't establish a religion, right? That is, we have no, uh, the federal government has no right to establish uh, religious practice, right? So it can't require you to go to church on Sunday. It can't require you to be a Roman Catholic. Uh, there are no religious tests for taking, uh, for serving in federal offices, those sorts of things, right? That would be the establishment of religion. Uh, but as a matter of fact, right, the, the Constitution restrains the government from restraining our free exercise of religion. So yeah. we can be religiously motivated in our political life. That, uh, that We can't impose explicitly religious matter on people, but <clears throat> that doesn't uh, keep us from uh, expressing uh, religious convictions um, or acting with religious motives. No one objects, for example, to civil rights protesters who are uh, um, uh, racial c- c- civil rights protesters who are motivated by religion and sing explicitly religious songs in their protest. Right? Uh, the, the, it, it, you know, you have to be consistent here. If if that's not objectionable, neither is right uh, conservative uh, expressions of religion. Um, then second, uh, more substantively, although it is certainly the case that for the most part, religious folks are the ones who have actively opposed abortion, right? Uh, people with religious convictions. Um, it's not, it is not at all necessary to be religious in order to see the wrongness of abortion, right? That is one, uh, it's not exclusively a theological argument, or uh, I would say, maybe one way of putting it. Um, you know, the basic claims here are is not some mystical claim. They always say like, this is a mystical mystery thing about when human life, it's not, right? It actually just, what, are the, what does the left like to say? Follow the science, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's just there, right? It's, it's, it's D, like by DNA, it's human, and by observation, it's living. So it's, you know, a living human being. So what do you want to say, right? You know, that, there you go, right? Uh, and is it okay to kill an innocent human being? No, therefore you shouldn't abort. Um, now that's an argument. You do not need to be religious in any way to recognize yep. the uh, veracity of that argument. So it's not um, <clears throat> exclusively a, a religious matter, right? Yeah, it's not exclusively a religious matter. Um now, I, I will concede, though, that um, that there are ways in which your religious perspective is going to color your interpretation of the data. Sure. Um, you know, for example, um, if you believe as a matter of your religious conviction that it's always and everywhere wrong directly and intentionally to take the life of an innocent human being, mm-hmm. and you believe that, and you believe that uh, personhood and biology attach to one another, uh, then then you're going to you're going to hold the view that I do that abortion is absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you deny one or both of those premises, then obviously your your perspective on abortion is going to be different. 
but um, but it's fair. But I think it's fair to say that the raw data that you have a human uh, you have a human organism. So you have a human biological entity that's distinct from the mother, and it's clearly alive, right? Um, that that raw data is universally held to be significant cross-culturally, right? Across religious boundaries, across, it's not just Christians, it's not just in the West, it's not just at a certain period of time, but but um, everyone seems to, well, not everyone, obviously, but but historically, the vast majority of people have thought that to be morally relevant uh, data, sure. right? Right. right. Yeah. Um, now, what I what I find interesting, though, in the in the current decision is that it, it sort of pushes back the decision itself pushes back against the idea that that what they're doing is making a religious um, a, a religious decision. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting. My wife and I were talking about this yesterday and and she was saying how, you know, in the past, it seemed that lots of people were arguing against they were actually making the moral arguments. You know, it's a, it's wrong to have an abortion um, because of this or that reason. And while, you know, we would both agree with the wrongness of abortion, the legal argument actually is what prevailed, not the moral sure. one. Yeah, of course. In, yeah. The, in the decision, it's the legal, it's the, right. it's the fact the Constitution does not actually hold this view. Right. Uh, it, it doesn't clearly establish the right. Um, there's no history in common law or in the laws of the states up to the point of Roe v. Wade that shows that this was a generally recognized right. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, there's no legal basis for the decision. It was entirely the legal argument, not the moral one that prevailed sure. right. in this particular case. Well, that's, and that's as it should be, I think, for the most part, in constitutional matters, right? I mean, uh-huh. we, we hope and believe that the Constitution as a, as a whole right, in general, secures things that are morally good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we could say in general, it does. Um, but the the justices are primarily, you know, are primarily there to enforce the human law, right, which is the Constitution, you know. Uh, obviously, they can recognize and should recognize a higher law. Uh, but the default position, right, should be to interpret and apply the Constitution faithfully. You know? So the very end of the decision... Uh, of the majority opinion, um, you see that Alito actually recognizes that there's room for the polity within the states to legislate according to their moral to their moral views. Sure, and and that Roe v. Wade foreclosed that possibility for mm-hmm. them. Yeah, on yeah. this matter. Yeah, and that's that is a and that's a it's a huge course correction, right? Because we have heard this thing, although it never made any coherent sense. You shouldn't legislate morality. Everybody legislates uh, morality. Why? What? What, yeah. what would you be legislating other than morality? Right? <laughs> At the end of the day, right? <laughs> you you think something should or should not be the case, right? Uh-huh. You're, uh, you know, you're uh, you're valuing some outcomes over others, right? Um, you know, uh, you're trying to protect certain things from others because you see them to be desirable, right? Uh-huh. Uh, that, you know, that's all. I mean, you just can't escape morality and ethics. Um, but now we can have in the states, right, where, where it does belong, substantive arguments, right, about um, ethics and morality, right? Um, 
and you know uh, legislate in a way that that uh, reflects the the the, mor- the moral convictions of the community. You know, and that's great. I mean, I think you know, right. So going forward, then, right when you look at uh, it, looks like the cultural divide in America is going to get deeper. That's correct. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But you know, and this um, that makes sense because there is something that the left is correct about, right? I hear this sometimes, and the justices sort of try to kind of skirt this issue, right? But you know, sometimes the people on the left will say it's not really about abortion; it's a bigger agenda, right? Yeah, uh, there's more going on here. It's not really about just saving innocent babies, right? Um, and you know, of course, we would say, of course, it's about protecting innocent human life. But they're also correct, right? That there is a bigger agenda, right? Mm-hmm. There is a larger cultural um, ethos that those who oppose abortion are really advancing, and those who are against uh, those who uh, are for abortion have a different um, ethos, right? A different view, I would say, of the good life and of the highest good, right? Uh, they're also aggressively advancing that's right that's right yeah yeah this idea that well the neutral position is to be for abortion and the radically religious theocratic view is to be you know against abortion right that's just um one-sided and biased no you have two rival versions of the good life contesting one another Right, and that's why it's correct to call it a culture conf. Right, it is mm-hmm. a culture war. Right, uh, Patrick Buchanan was exactly right to say that all those years ago. Right, uh, a lot of people are weary of the culture war, but I'm sorry, you know, the war is not weary of you. Right, mm-hmm. it's here, and you just have to face the the, the reality of that, or um, you know, live in delusion. Right, and you know, there's different ways to frame the culture war. Um, one way I would like to frame it is natural order or natural law i like natural order uh, versus autonomy right mm-hmm. and this is you know, kind of approaching it in a way that's philosophical i think you can of course expand this into a theological uh, uh account as well but i think it's useful at least to kind of maybe uh, just pedagogically to kind of think about it philosophically uh for a while you know when when uh, so many of the arguments are all about it's all about my body my choice I shouldn't, you know, um, I shouldn't uh, be made to, to, to do something I don't want to do, right? I, you know, I'm autonomous, right? I'm a law unto myself, right? Mm-hmm. And really since Kant, you know, and maybe a little before that, that's been the, become the modern version of freedom, right? Is that, you know, I'm a law unto myself and you, and I shape my life and nothing, nothing uh, heterogeneous shapes my life. I auto right uh, shape my own life right, and so when it comes to things about like say sex or abortion, you know sex is whatever I want it to be, right? Mm-hmm. It's you know whatever I think, whatever I want it to be. If it's just recreational, right, um, then that's fine. That's what I say. And if you want to have your stuffy religious view or your stuffy uh, virtue view of it, that's fine for you. But um, you know, sex has no inherent meaning, no inherent purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I would contrast that with the view of the good life that that there is such a thing as uh, human flourishing, right? And that there's an objective sort of character to human flourishing that's rooted yeah. in our nature as human beings. There's a so right way the, to be human. That's right. Exactly. Yes, and it's not. Uh, you know, a hundred percent uniform, but there's a general pattern to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that pattern 
uh, or pathway includes the idea that sex is for family, that sex and family are deeply rooted in, in one another and connected. And that as insofar as sex begins to move away from family, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, vulgar and vicious, right? Uh, and that that's to be avoided and undesirable even for you. You may enjoy in, uh, engaging in vicious sexual activity, um, degraded sexual activity, but it's actually not good for you. It doesn't contribute to your human flourishing, right? Uh, those are two very different approaches to the good life, right? One sees it, you know, as something that has a fixed pattern and you conform to that pattern. The other says, I make it up as I go. And you, you know, uh, and it's, and, and I am, I am the central reference point. How do you, right. is that, you think that's a good way to divide the, the two? Yeah, I think it's totally right. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it maybe a, or the way the way I approach it is, I mean, you're you're dealing with uh, uh, just two antithetical uh, anthropologies. Yeah, so they're they're, yeah. they're just you know, and and again, um, while our theology does inform us on mm-hmm. uh, on reality, um, it's uh, the reason why we we say these things uh, from the pulpit, and the and the reason why the church teaches many of these things is because the church has observed reality. Right. right. So we're, we're not saying we're not saying like um, even, you know, some of these things about the, the human person, we're not saying that it is even part of divine revelation. We're, we're simply saying these are things that can be observed from natural order. Right? Yeah. Although, uh, you know, I want to push back on it a little, though. So um, I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I think that like Aristotle uh, and Thomas, um to name just two individuals, you know, one pagan and the other Christian, would agree um, for the most part, right, on these kinds of questions. Um, and obviously, they're coming from two very different religious perspectives. So they're, they are observing sure. human nature and coming to many of the same conclusions. But there's no question that um, revelation informs what we know about human beings, right? There, there are sure, things right. about, there are things from revelation that we, we can't discover by nature alone. And, right. and, and that is going to affect, that is going to affect our moral conclusions to some degree. Sure. I would say though, that what you're talking about there is, is the stuff that's more around the periphery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for example, so I, I mean, I, I, I'm agreeing with you. I just, I personally have this, this tendency to resist what is sort of a, a reduction. I'm not really accusing you of this, but it's, it's just a, I see people do this a lot and I, it drives me crazy. The reduction of Christian morality to, um, to just pure natural morality. Right. And I think we, we do obscure things that way, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I would, I I would agree. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I just think like, you know, from, from just a, a, a pure, a pure experiential basis. If you were to ask, face to face with somebody not in some phone poll or something like that you know is sex meaningless do you you know where does the where does the the meaning of uh where does the you know if you were to ask people that you know i think a lot of people would say well you know it does have meaning you know mm-hmm. okay you know like so so the i i think there's a there's a lot of things that we that the non-religious person can uh, uh, can arrive at, well, not fully, or as uh, they, I don't think they can go as far or as deep 
as the Christian can because of divine revelation. You know, I think I think there's there's things that we can know from natural uh, natural experience mm-hmm. and common sense. You know, yeah. um, that that we we're, we've reached a point in uh, uh, anthropology where people are just simply actively denying common sense um, and uh, uh, observation, right? Well, they act as if no one ever had ideas like this before there was Christianity, Mm -hmm. uh, which is clearly false. You obviously haven't read any philosophy. Yeah, I would say a good uh, um, example of this uh, would be, uh, I think it's uh, Rufinius, right? I mean, Rufinius and Paul sound almost identical, right? Uh When they talk about uh, moral matters, right? Rufinius is a... um, uh, roman stoic right yeah uh and the, the morality is like as far as these matters go right obviously there are additional matters mm-hmm. uh but as far as these kinds of matters go right the morality sounds very much the same notably like the, the stoics were famous uh for opposing the greek tradition of exposure right yeah uh, on this very issue right the stoics uh resisted the idea of uh, abortion uh and uh exposure of infants right so you know, the you know the one can come to these conclusions, right, um, on the basis of reason and natural order, and obviously the church even teaches the same uh, that that's true, right? <laughs> that uh, uh, you know we can discover these things, and I think that's important, right? Uh, obviously, you say, Rich, you know, the data of revelation adds a great deal to that and enriches it and strengthens it. Um, but uh, that you know that order is there, right? I see it was sort of a kind of intertwined, twofold source. Uh, um, you know, it's mutually reinforcing. Um, and I think you know what both certainly say, right? The natural order um, is that sex is for family, right? We can't even we can't even understand. I mean, in a biology book, I'm sure at some point they're going to get rid of this, but you know, mm-hmm. it's still called the reproductive system. <laughs> Right. Because we can't understand the parts and the arrangement and the functions of these things apart from the objective of reproduction. Right. Uh, Which points to right the idea of, um, you know, that that this is not meaningless. There's an inherent meaning to it, inherent order to it. Right. Uh, Which is, uh, you know, the procreation and education of children. Right. Historically. Right. uh, You know, the family grew up around this, you know, this function, right? Um, which is seen, you know, as uh, part of a flourishing human life, right? Yeah, because um, you're not a mere individual, right? You're that's right. That's right. Just think about all the goodness, all the ethical and moral and virtues that go into family life, right? You know, I think so much of moral growth, right, comes out of your commitment to your family, right? To providing for your family, sacrificing for your family, you know, uh, reaching compromises with your spouse, uh, all these sorts of things, right? Uh, you know, there's an enormous amount of moral growth uh, that happens, right? I, I think I know people, and I, I grieve for them, that have purposely made the decision either to never be married or to be married and never have children, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I grieve for them, not because they offend me, it doesn't, it doesn't harm me, you know, um, but I grieve for them because I think they've left, they've lost out, Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even, you know, people like uh, Homer or Aristotle or anybody from the ancient world, right, would look at most people from the ancient world, would look at you like, what? Like, you don't want a family? Like, you don't want to reproduce? You don't want to, 
to carry on your family heritage, your family legacy from your ancestors into the present and beyond, right? I mean, those are all very natural and essential parts, right, of human flourishing, whereas the autonomous person is basically looking at his parents, his grandparents, right, and saying, family's optional, maybe, maybe not, you know, I know you gave me life, but I may not pass it on, right? Well, this is, this is, this really isn't that interesting way, I mean, think about it, right? Yeah, it cuts to the heart of the problem, right, because, you know, you could see the thing, the, the two choices here, right, between autonomy and, um, and responsibility to a higher law, uh, you know, they reflect the autonomous person uh, regards the past, regards tradition, regards inheritance, right? right? Um, as something negotiable. Mm-hmm. It's a smorgasbord from which he can pick and choose right. what he wants or leave right. it entirely behind if nothing suits him. Right. Uh, he could reshape things on his own. And if you think about the way in which... Um, the way in which that culture has been pushed by the um, those who hold the levers of power for a very long time now, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it, it's pretty clear, actually, right? Mm-hmm. How for the past 30, 40 years, how many times, right, have you seen or have you seen it pushed in, say, sitcoms or something, right? Right, right, right. That um, family is what is what you choose. Mm-hmm. It's not what you inherit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's a good way of putting it. So you, you know, you'll, um, and that's always like a Thanksgiving comes. So it's a, it's the Thanksgiving show. Right. So, <laughs> right yeah. And, and they always contrive some way of, uh, of, of all the main characters, like not going home to their, to their uh-huh. families of origin, <laughs> right. but staying with each other and the reaffirmation that, well, that's what family really is. Mm. The people you choose for yourself. <laughs> um it's it's pushing this autonomy culture mm-hmm. right yeah absolutely I, I the think, uh, uh you know uh, i think so but i've heard this rich you can do you can do family in lots of ways you can family in various ways turn it yeah over. right right <laughs> what are you gonna say Jason? um like with i think from when you're when you're looking at it from uh, I just see themselves uh, kind of the, the this idea of holding up autonomy as it, it's it's completely self defeating for a functional society. Of course, um, because and, 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 and look I, at the fruits. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's well, pretty yeah. suicidal. And and the thing is, is we 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 on the one hand we sit here and we push. You know, we want people to live for other people, right? Um, you need to do this so that it helps out these other people. You need to do this because you're your uncomfort of let's just the first thing that comes to my mind is wearing a mask your uncomfort in doing that or something like that right it's for other people's good so we 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 push for that on the on the one hand but at the same time we're saying but at the at the heart of truth at the at the foundation of you as a very as a human person your autonomy is what is most important like we're how do we how do we expect us to to set that as a foundation of saying Mm -hmm. you you are you and you get to define everything about yourself Mm -hmm. uh uh, to the point of destroying uh uh, you know pronouns to the point of destroying parts of the uh the english language right sure um but at the same time we want them to grow up and be virtuous right 
it's, it's incoherent. You don't it is incoherent. It's, it's completely, completely yeah, incoherent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't right. understand how we're going to get you know this this orange juice out of squeezing rocks. Well, it is incoherent. It, it's interesting because you know we go back to Kant. Uh, Dr. Smith mentioned Kant earlier, right? Um, and unfortunately, and the thing about well, the thing about Kant though, the actual historical Kant, yeah. uh, agree with him or don't, preferably don't, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, you know, he wouldn't have liked what he sees today. No, no. This is not the kind of autonomy that he had in mind. No. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, he would have, he would have promoted this idea of, um, of choosing to be virtuous as part of your, that, that is your law, right? That's, mm. that's your autonomy is mm. that you opt to be a virtuous person. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that that's what people fall back on when when everything begins to collapse around them and they realize oh, without yeah, being able to say it yeah right that that there has to be more than just me uh-huh. they turn to a Kantian appeal to choose to be virtuous in the mm-hmm. ways that they've decided are important sure sure um, yeah. but it's incoherent right yeah. it is incoherent yeah it's incoherent because it's not part of a larger consistent view of the being of the of human beings right yeah it doesn't have it has no metaphysical substructure that really roots you right in that option to be the right thing right or to do well, they're right even thing. bad kantians because they've it's they're right. very bad <laughs> because the thing is you know kant right he prioritized reason over <laughs> and mm. and they've made the opposite choice they've yeah they've prioritized will well, over reason yeah and passion yeah and i would even just well, even just go so far it's delusional it is mm-hmm. they're 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 basing something that is it, they're 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 forming something whether whether it be themselves or or trying to form society based on something that is outside of reality mm-hmm. right that's it's fantasy it's yeah. i don't know yeah. i don't know exactly what the right word is for it but it's simply not based in reality yeah um you know and like you said like you know when you you know sex is for the family right mm-hmm. family is essential uh, yeah, to to flourishing flourishing, life, yeah. right it's yeah yeah so i mean like the these kind of aspects um well and even yeah. understanding your like you said happiness within like those relationships mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that the and again this is and then you know uh you know our christian faith tells us much more about this uh uh from what god has revealed but we we're sitting here trying to uh, again trying to trying to create something that 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 is virtuous by promoting uh uh, uh just something that is that is that is completely self-centered it's right it's, you yeah. know divine navel gazing or whatever you want to call it <laughs> right. yeah. i think so i think so yeah i mean i think you know in the you know happiness in uh the sort of natural law natural order point of view right um you know it has the idea that your life can be excellent if you conform to this pattern Right, uh, that's rooted in your being, and that and and that rooted in your being is a is the need for uh, the desire for the inclination for relationships with others, including friendships, right, uh, including marriage, including being a father, being a mother, uh, including you know being a good fellow citizen, all those sorts of things, right. But that's the but but we've got there right is a sort of a preset right kind of direction or path right? That as you follow it, right, you grow into 
genuine human flourishing. Family is a part of that, an important part. It's not the only part, but it's an important part of that. Um, and, uh, you know, you just think about the joy that you experience. And anybody who's had kids in a decently healthy situation has experienced this. Um, the, the joy of your parents, right, when they see your children. These uh-huh. USA, like yeah. that intergenerational thing I'm talking about, it's a reality, right? And, and, you know, it's something that I think we, we do experience in that moment. The whole family comes around and they celebrate and there's rejoicing, right? Because the family is continuing, right? You're affirming really your parents, your grandparents, your whole family when you perpetuate, right? Uh, uh, your family. I think that's a big deal. And you're satisfying more than just yourself. You're satisfying others. Whereas the autonomous thing at the end of the day, right? Is ultimately, if, since you're a law unto yourself, right? It's about self-satisfaction, right? It's not about, oh, this is going to hurt my children. Oh, this is going to uh, offend my parents or, you know, things like that, right? It's about satisfying myself, right? Uh, that sort of thing, right? So, I mean, I think if, once you've made the link between, once you've made autonomy the foundation of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's inevitable that you're going to become egocentric, narcissistic. I mean, that's why we have so many problems in this area, because we have created a culture in which we teach people that you can do whatever you want to do. You, you're number one. You got to put yourself first, all that sort of thing. Well, that's inevitably going to end up with all that matters is satisfaction. And if having a baby right now is not satisfying to me, uh, I can have it eliminated. Right. right? Uh, whereas the person on the, on, on the path of virtue is it, even if the person is on the path of virtue and say has made a poor decision, right? and you know gotten pregnant out of wedlock or something like that the virtuous person the person who's on that path and say oh man i really messed up let's let's see how like let's let's figure out how to 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 go forward in a way that respects you know the fact that i've had a child right um i think that there's two you know very divergent paths yeah actually i I think the call or go ahead dr yeah i just have some thoughts on on that particular thing you know what the way I kind of look at um, those situations where, you know, a person makes a, a misstep and, and, um, and suddenly there's a, a baby in the picture. Um, it, it seems to me that in God's infinite mercy, um, you know, you, you have in that very moment um, a call back to the person, like the man and the woman in the garden when, mm-hmm. when God calls after, to, after sin, uh, where are you? right? That there's this, this call of the person back to the path of virtue by the sheer reality that a child has been conceived and, and that this, this calls for a responsible decision, a responsible, um, it calls for me to, to sort of take into account, right? Someone other than myself or my own gratification, my own needs. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's conviction. And if you have the right form of, I think uh, Thomas calls it shamefacedness, right? Uh-huh. You know, the, like the, uh, the right sense of, uh, you know, conscience and so forth that, yeah, it's a, it's an, it's a, an opportunity for growth, right? An opportunity for self-sacrifice, for um, attending to the good of others, uh, that sort of thing. But, you know, if you're taught your whole life, honey, you got to take care of yourself, number yeah. one, right? And you're on this path of autonomy, that stuff just isn't going to come in the picture. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, and I think the the the, the culmination of that kind of worldview is is abortion. Yeah, uh, the where mm-hmm. where you will not just ignore your neighbor, uh, mm-hmm. so that like ah, I really don't want to help my neighbor because then I'd have to give up my Saturday or I'd have to give up my free time. Um, I can't watch Netflix, and I, you know, so I, I, you know, that that I don't, I don't really want to do that. So it it goes so much beyond just simply ignoring your neighbor to uh, uh, killing your neighbor uh, right. for <laughs> for your for your convenience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean, like I think that the the position of abortion is that is that high point of consequence or re, or mm-hmm. or uh, of this kind of uh, of this kind of worldview where um we should you know the 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 person should be willing to sacrifice anything and everything for their own autonomy right um and, 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 and anyone <laughs> and anyone yeah yes. and i think this is where i mean this is where you know the the, the catholic needs to recognize like um it's not just a difference of opinion or whatever that that the the virtues promoted by and held up by the Christian faith really become the vices of this kind of worldview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, you know. We, we 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 hold up. We you know the 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 opposing view. You know holds up things like uh, pride and selfishness, self centeredness. I get to decide all of these things, whereas the Christian says uh, no. Not only not only are you not the center, but God is first and other people are second. Like you don't even you don't even get second place in this. Um, and we're called to make a sacrifice of ourselves. Mm-hmm. What, what is that? What does that even <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, right. like that right. doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound enjoyable as a Catholic. But but again, if if we understand part of our design, right? That even the way that we that life is created, I mean, a woman gives up so much of her body in order to bring about new life, uh, uh, and you know, therefore, the world is a bigger and better place. The the that even even kind of uh, the the self sacrificial uh, attitudes and and virtues we should strive to have. I mean, it's built. You know, it's even built into the very uh, biological. Uh, makeup of reproduction and mm. and family life as a whole, even for dads, right? You know, mm. they sacrifice their bodies to to toil uh, for the good of the family, right? So, uh, the 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 Christian way of life is really uh, uh, not just at odds, but uh, actively against this kind of lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So, here's how right you are on this. <laughs> okay. You can observe in the culture, right, that these days there's been an awful lot of screaming. Um, you know, you watch the news or something and <laughs> something like the this decision comes out um, yeah. or somebody gets elected to office that you don't like. And people in funny looking hats and stuff will um, will just scream. They'll just yeah. scream. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they'll they'll stand with a bullhorn directly in the face of another person and just scream through it mm-hmm. what i find interesting about this kind of thing all the screaming is that um what you have i think is people trying to silence that voice that sure that speaks for the that speaks for something beyond themselves mm-hmm. right it's the voice of conscience uh ultimately the voice yeah. of god right mm-hmm. The voice of the moral authority 
that voice must be drowned out so that I can, I don't, I, I have to not hear it. I can't allow yeah. myself to be convicted by it. Yeah. Lest I, I, I can no longer justify being a law unto myself. That's what I see. I right, don't know if right. that's what you see. I think, yeah, I think that's totally right. I, mean, I think that screaming is a, effectively sort of an emotional ad boculum, right? I mean, it's basically uh -huh. a, a resort to a kind of force, right? Um, to ignore the issue. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that's a good observation, Rich. I think one other uh, just kind of area to kind of draw in a close here to to think about these uh, the the antitheses here, right? Um, is you know you notice that people who adopt autonomy right as their number one thing tend to be low on patriotism, right? Mm -hmm. Tend to be low on service to the country and service to the community, low on wanting to preserve your national heritage, right? Um, you know, the heritage of your people, that sort of thing. Whereas those who follow natural order and virtue tend to see those things as very important, right? Again, yeah. this is where we go, you know, the family, right, contributes, right, to the political community, right? We used to recognize that the individual is not the primary unit of society, right? The primary unit of society is the family, Mm -hmm. And that's so for one very obvious reason, right? They, where There's do no our future, future citizens come from? Right? <laughs> they come from families, right? And they're and and listen, think about this: in family life, you're conditioned, if it's at all decently ordered, to not just care about yourself, right? To yeah. to respect the authority of your parents, learn to respect authority, learn to sacrifice for the common good of the family. You know, you might not use that terminology, but a lot of times that happens. No, we can't watch your TV program because we actually have to do this thing for your brother, right? You know, or whatever it is, like, or your mom's sick, so we got to go to the hospital. We don't have, you know, that kind of thing. You learn self-sacrifice, you learn to care for others, and you learn to respect authority, right? Those sorts of things. All of which contributes to the flourishing of society, right? Mm -hmm. What about these autonomous people, right? If you value autonomy, the idea that you have an unchosen obligation to society they utterly reject right and i've seen people say patriotism is stupid because you can't control where you where you're where you're born as if it's only valuable right if value your community and your history if you've chosen it right instead uh, of yeah. being the position of the person of virtue is to be grateful that my community brought me into being right, right. You know? you see, you see, what a radical difference yeah right? i think actually the fourth yeah. commandment right the honor your father and your mother is mm -hmm. deeply bound up with Absolutely. everything we're talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's the it's that idea of piety right you know that idea that there that i begin from the very foundation of my life i begin from something i did not choose that's right but that i received yeah, right? yeah. And, yeah. and the only the only proper response is gratitude yes yes yeah. yes yeah. absolutely and you, you even hear you even hear them uh, uh making that distinction sometimes the uh, people that are fighting for uh, the right to abortion they say um is they'll say well i can i consented to have sex but i did not consent to be pregnant and it's like well that's what happens when you do that thing <laughs> like right. when, again when you when you reject when you reject kind of this this um when you reject the natural order of things, right, 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 yeah, and, and you re, and you reduce you reduce um, uh, uh, all good to simply the exercise of your autonomy, even to the point of neglecting your intellect, um, 
that that you can make arguments like this with a straight face i mean let's let's give it let's let's let me give uh, an example that would give all that i consented to to uh drive drunk i did not consent to run into that family while i was driving drunk does that work (laughs) not my problem yeah no it doesn't i consented to do something that by its very nature right raises this possibility does that Uh make sense you know like come on that's yeah, that's you're responsible for consequences that are unforeseen. You know, that's 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 <laughs> part of life. Well, they are you foreseen, <laughs> foreseeable at least, right? Yeah. Foreseeable, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, and that's by the way, that's well established. Interestingly, in the decision <laughs> I talked about before, right? There's a discussion of that very thing, what we now call um, you know, like felony murder rule, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that's a very old concept in common law. Mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. uh according yeah. it, it's it's outlined in this uh in the dobbs decision yeah. um that there was this idea a long time ago that if say you have an abortion and a woman dies as a result of the abortion well because you were doing something bad to begin with uh-huh. you're uh, <laughs> liable for her death yeah. <laughs> right homicide. um that's what the felony murder rule is and, and that that whole thing right it involves the idea that if i undertake an action knowing Right. Uh, and in that case, it's a bad action. If I understand, and, and I would say abortion is too, or premarital sex, but, mm. but if I undertake an action and that consequence is foreseeable, well, by taking the action, I'm responsible for the consequences. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so right. if you think about all of those things together, right, you can see, right, like what is, like what contributes to society more, right? What contributes to the common good, right, of the polis? more right the, the lifestyle of autonomy or natural virtue clearly virtue does right it clearly right sets up a person who respects authority who's self-sacrificing cares about the good of others right and acts for the good of others whereas the autonomous person just sees all that as optional right and then if you sort of like just like the last question here think about well what what's what how, which lifestyle should the, the community promote right you know if you if you follow right the the dialectic here between these two antithetical ways of life, clearly the state has an interest in promoting the life of virtue, right? Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's in the very interest of besides the fact that it's good for the citizens, that's the you know, most important thing. But it's even good for the state. Right? Yeah. So let, let me rephrase the question: Is it reasonable and appropriate for the political community to promote? to promote virtue, right? To promote that which is good for the flourishing of the community as a whole. Yeah, yes, and it is yeah. clearly, right? I mean, like, what would you say? Like, no, we should not have a flourishing of the community, right? I mean, I that guess- That should not be you, the interest of the gov- of the state, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you could say like the, uh, I mean, I guess the autonomous person could say, well, to hell with the community, to hell with all of it. I'm just gonna, you know, yeah. I'd rather see the world burn then me give up my autonomy. Well, that's why we invented that. means of removing people from <laughs> full participation right. in the community, exile, right. prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that, I mean that's, oh, that would almost be Luciferian, right? Like in the sense of uh-huh. I'd rather be in hell, <laughs> right? Than serve God in heaven, right? Um, yeah. Now, most people aren't going to be, you know, take it all the way to that logical kind of conclusion, right? Uh, but that just shows you the incoherence of the, of the lifestyle. And to take all this back to abortion, right? Abortion grows out of the autonomous worldview, the path of autonomy, right? Mm-hmm. It, do, it It's contrary to uh, the path of virtue, right? And natural order. 
And so I think, you know, from a philosophical perspective, kind of kind of going beyond just say the American constitutional polity, but looking at philosophical, like from a perspective of political philosophy, abortion, it, it's, it, abortion is something that should be impermissible, right? Not permitted, uh-huh. right? Within a political community, because it's contrary to the flourishing of the citizens and the common good of the whole polity. Yes. Yeah. No, it's not I'm the only sure. reason, but it's it's not the only reason. Yeah, but I think it's it's a sufficient. It's reason, a sufficient right? reason. Yeah, and and I I think that there's a that a big picture there, right? Uh, that I think is important. I think the left gets it right, and when they're screaming, they're right. I we are in a culture war. Yeah. And these two ways of life are antithetical. And within our own community, we're struggling to return to virtue, right? And move away from this order of autonomy, right? Or lack, I don't can't call it an order path of autonomy, right? Um, and that is really, I think, what's at, uh, a big part of what's at stake in Roe versus Wade and maybe future uh, developments. So, so to conclude here, and I'll you know, throw it to each of y'all, um, how big, um, how big is this overturning of Roe v. Wade with regards to uh, the culture war? You know, is it just a, is it just another you know uh, um, political uh, political move, or, or or is there an actual turning here that you can see maybe in our society? I, I listened. I heard a, uh, somebody on the left comment on this uh, yesterday, and I thought she was correct. She said. This is the single greatest victory of the conser- of the modern conservative movement, uh, and I wow. I think she's correct. Like mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the culture war, this is um, an atomic bomb. I mean, it's it's an enormous. Um, it's it's a it's a lightning strike, <laughs> you know. And I think it's been building. This is the part that makes me really optimistic. Uh, and I've been feeling this way for several years now. I think it's been building. I didn't predict that this was going to happen. Don't don't misunderstand me. I kind of maybe about a year ago started thinking it could happen, but um, but I, I've been seeing right people responding to the extremism on the cultural left, right, mm-hmm. moving yeah. in the right direction. People kind of like backing into the position of virtue, just sort of like, oh my goodness, like what's going on here, right? <laughs> my country's falling apart, right? Um, so I think this is part of a larger movement toward back towards virtue. Uh, at the same time, I think it's, it's unique. I mean, it's the best thing I've in my life. It's the biggest thing I've ever seen yeah. on the political cultural, you know, sphere on the good side. <laughs> so. What's, what's really interesting to me is the fact that just a couple of years ago, um, very modest restrictions on abortion were being, struck down by the Supreme Court right. um, on the basis of Roe v. Wade, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I do think this is clearly a seismic shift. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it's a seismic shift that works on a number of different levels. Yeah. Uh, the first level we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, which was um, a restoration of a, a different view of constitutional law than has prevailed in jurisprudence in the United States for the past half century or more, right. maybe, maybe more than that, really. I mean, going back to the time of Roosevelt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, so you, you've got sort of a, the, this is a real victory for originalism. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
And, um, and so that's a, that's a huge factor, right? But even from a moral perspective, what it finally does is it, it really does now permit the populace to, um, to enact legislation that reflects their moral views and promotes the, and promotes the, the human, the flourishing of the society, mm-hmm. um, according to traditional moral values. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that that's been prevented, mm-hmm. right? That's been prevented yep. by Roe v. Wade and the logic of Roe v. Wade Thomas in his concurring opinion is completely right about this. Right, the logic of Roe v. Wade worked against all manner of things. Right, and um, yep. and so there's a whole slew of Supreme Court precedent that's now called into question. Right, um, on related topics. Yeah, right, yep. including same-sex marriage and and other things um, that can now be revisited on the basis of a, a shift in our constitutional philosophy. And even though in the decision, uh, Alito said this, this decision doesn't address those matters. It only speaks about abortion. It only speaks about Roe v. Wade uh, vis-a-vis abortion. Thomas is right that the implications are broader than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just pray that this is more of a um, Saul to Paul moment rather than a Franz Ferdinand moment. Um, in our in our uh, current uh, historical uh, moment, mm-hmm. um, uh, but you're, you know, you're not going to see though a uniform transformation of the United States right. toward virtue. There's going to be a deepening of division. I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah, but we 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 have our path. Uh, That's like right. like you said, Doctor Smith. Uh, uh, we have a path. It, it's it's clear. It takes a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. not just like back back breaking work. Um, but you know, uh, mental work uh, and and working to to understand the design, the path that you know God has laid for forward mm-hmm. for us, and both the design of us as human persons, but also the design of all of life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the 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 place of family, the place of sex, the place of happiness, excellence, virtue, all of these mm-hmm. things, and uh, how they fit into not just human flourishing, but society's flourishing as a whole. All right, guys. Uh, Thanks a lot for this uh, interesting discussion. Uh, and uh, I hope all of our listeners uh, can benefit from this. Please do share this. And yes. one other thing I also want to point you to is please, you know, uh, uh, as all these things come up, please go back, uh, go to Amazon, check out Dr. Smith's uh, book, Understanding Modern uh, Political Ideas, a guidebook for Christians and other patriots. Uh, uh, Dr. Smith uh, lays, lays out well some uh, uh, not just political ideas, but political principles that Christians can follow uh, to navigate these uh, 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 these rough waters um, that have not become any easier uh, while we do enjoy this this one victory. Uh, in the meantime, uh, check out all of our content over at CatholicStudiesAcademy.com. God bless. <laughs>